Welcome to the Human Conversation Podcast with Jules White, the real dragon slayer, author and entrepreneur sales coach. Tune in weekly for human conversation about business and sales. Enjoy business expert interviews, educational episodes and virtual cuppers with entrepreneur business owners. So grab yourself a cuppa and enjoy. Here is your host, Jules White. Welcome everybody to the human conversation. Uh, we're episode 19 today. I have a beautiful guest with me. Uh, I met this lady in 2018 and I'm saying that because we're recording this in that kind of moment where we, we're going crossing over into 2019 in a couple of days. So you may listen to this in 2019. Um, so Caroline Strawson is my guest today. She is an accredited divorce and positive psychology coach. Hello, Caroline. Hello, it's, it's a real pleasure to be here with you today. It really is, Jules, and thank you so much for inviting me to be on. Oh, it's a pleasure, darling. So I met you, obviously, now I'm just trying to think, it's got to be six months or so ago, I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, I think it was. It was uh, Aruna and Ali's event, I think, where I first saw you speak, wasn't it? I oh, think. that would have been May. That would have been May, May time. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's even longer then. But um, since then, I think we've seen each other. We've talked about having coffee. We've all organised the lunch, which I never made. Um, <laughs> so we We'll still, get there. Yeah, we still have stuff to do. But I thought, how lovely to have you on to the podcast, because then we can just chat because that's what this is all about, the human conversation. So I want to talk about a few things with you today, just because I guess I want to fill some gaps for myself, but also I want the listeners to hear all about the amazing work that you're doing. Um, I have to say, let's start, uh, let's try and do this logically. Let's start at the beginning. So when I met you, I think I discovered around um, the time that you were starting your journey as an entrepreneur. And you were doing network marketing of some sort? Yeah. So uh, for me, I suppose as a timeline kind of thing, my background was in the medical profession. I was actually a podiatrist. Yes. Now I remember. <laughs> so a lower limb specialist or smelly feet, whatever you want to call it um, <laughs> as such. I've always loved medical things. I've always loved helping people. And for me, unfortunately, I divorced um, eight years ago. And when that happened, it was a really, really acrimonious divorce, um, extremely acrimonious. And I was in over £70,000 worth of debt when we um, parted ways, of which 23000 was in my name. Um, I've obviously, I, I was still in the marital home. I've got two children at the time, but I couldn't afford anything. And I um, started counselling. I got diagnosed with PTSD. All of these words were being given to me, sort of emotional abuse you know, narcissistic behaviors, gaslighting, all of this. And, and, and I didn't actually realize what had happened in my marriage, but very quickly I realized I'd completely lost myself. Mm. So although I had PTSD, um, I also was suffering with depression, anxiety, self-harm. So I would start every morning sitting on my bathroom floor, having a panic attack because for me, I had no, I felt like I had no control in my life at that stage. My control was very much with my ex-partner at the time, financially, everything. And I was working part-time as a podiatrist. So the money that was coming in was not as much as the money that needed to go out. And that really stressed me because, you know, my two children were reliant upon me and I took that really seriously. My role as a mum 
was my number one priority. Mm. And I suppose over those coming years, I went through various stages of being extremely angry, grieving cycle really like you go through when you're going through a divorce or the loss of a loved one because divorce is actually the second most traumatic life event you will go through so I was going through all of these stages um, but obviously sinking further and further into debt I'd have letters coming through my door I put them in the bin I didn't want to deal with them unless it was council tax so I didn't want to go to prison but everything else every month I was robbing Peter to pay Paul and it was literally I was just like a stress ball really um, mm. and when I look back I think gosh it just seems like an eternity ago. But at the time, I remember thinking things like, just get your kids to 18 and, you know, get through today. I live very much day to day. You know, I couldn't focus on anything beyond all of that because it felt so overwhelming. And it was a really, really tough time, really. Um, and then for me to get into network marketing, you know, um, I didn't really even know what network marketing was, to be honest. I just had seen a lady on Facebook who was seemed to be running a business around her kids. And I thought do you know what, if I could earn even £200 a month, £50 extra a week, that would be a really, really good thing for me. Mm. Uh, so I contacted her. I joined the business. Um, it was two, just under £200 to get started, of which I borrowed it off my dad, who was extremely sceptical. But I said, look, dad, you know, even if it helps me, earn that and you'd think being a podiatrist I've got a profession I've got a degree you think I'd be okay financially but actually that wasn't the case because of childcare costs school holidays if I earned more I got less tax credits so I was in this kind of trap um, and everything and I'm not a shirker of hard work I'd have done anything but because my ex had moved um, uh, quite a distance away my mum had passed away my dad was in his 70s I'd got no support around me to help mm. like that so for me I couldn't I needed to find something I could do at home when the kids were in bed or whatever so for me network marketing ticked the boxes for me for that so when I started because I suffer with anxiety you see a lot of network marketers they go and do parties they go and do events no I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to be out of the house so you know I think if I didn't have my children at the time I'd be quite happy becoming agoraphobic very much so actually, actually actually Caroline you know this agoraphobic thing just while you've said it it's very easy for that to happen yeah you know, yeah. I had like uh, 2017 was, was the year I started my business, but I also lost a really, really special friend very suddenly. And I remember that feeling of yeah. even if people asked me to go somewhere, I would just say, oh, no, I can't come. Sorry. Well, I could. I could go. But I was just comfortable sat. It's like a safety place, isn't it? it? Is. So I get that. And, and I would and I, I get that and I would very often if people would say to me to do something I'd say yes and then at the last minute I'd say oh my daughter's ill or this or that there would be a reason why I couldn't go mm -hmm. so for me Facebook became my best friend to be honest because yeah. it was a very safe environment for me to still be me but I was at home I was in the security of, of my four walls and I could do it when the kids were in bed now when I started I did it wrong you know I did it very wrong but very quickly I love learning things you know I'm more I've always been a big learner. So I learned how to utilize Facebook really to build my network marketing business. And although I joined just to earn an extra 200 pounds, within six months, I doubled my podiatry salary um, wow. as well. So I actually gave up being a podiatrist because I could see further potential and I could do it around the children as well. So no more childcare costs, no, nothing. I could be, you know, the mum I wanted to be, but build this business. I was in control of that. 
within a year, I was on a six-figure income. Within 18 months, myself and my team were turning over a million pounds worth of products. And I was qualifying for everything on the marketing plan as well. And I loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. But I still felt like there was something missing inside of me as such because I love helping people, which is what I was doing in the business. I was helping others build a business. But I suppose it was that meaning. There was something kind mm. of that meaning inside. So um, three years ago when I met my husband now, um, as well. Um, I was kind of at this crossroads thinking, you know, what am I going to do? So I carried on with the network marketing and he's a mortgage broker um, and a, a protection advisor. And um, he said, well, why don't you help me build my business for a bit? Because he'd seen how I'd built my network marketing one. And I thought, yeah, a bit of a challenge. You know, I'd enjoy doing that as well. So um, I built a big team then in my network marketing business. I'd got sort of over two and a half thousand people. So I took a step back from recruiting and just sort of supported those that I had that were sort of moving forward. And then I helped my my husband started to build his business very much really what I'd learned in my network marketing I sort of put into that and that became really successful as well but again something inside it was still wasn't it wasn't lighting up inside of me mm. And at this time as well, again, because I love learning, I thought, you know what, I'd love to do a master's. I've always, you know, loved education. I love learning new things. And I love the subject of positive psychology. It was really kind of instrumental in helping me recover from my divorce as well. Um, you know, because for me, um, you know, my ex is a narcissist as well. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, labels, labels. He was actually diagnosed as that as well. So, you know, and very often it's not necessarily labeling your ex-partner it's how you feel as well you know the PTSD or complex PTSD or narcissistic abuse syndrome there are real traits about how you feel so even if you don't want to label your ex how do you feel in that relationship how was that relationship how were you spoken to and etc etc so you know we don't have to do that but mine was so you know recovering from a divorce or a breakup with a narcissist is unlike anything else because it doesn't just stop you know when you kind of divorce from someone who is normal so to speak yeah you can have arguing and a bit of acrimony and stuff but there's still empathy at the core of it especially as if you've got children where there isn't with a narcissist it's all about control it's all about manipulation and if you are coming from a place where you want to make everybody happy you want to do the right thing all of the time that's the worst thing you can do coming out of a narcissistic relationship because you're constantly then going to be feeling depressed and sad or angry because you can't control what they do mm. and ultimately you have to realize and I always say the phrase you know you waiting for the apology the acknowledgement the validation from your ex like this is like you drinking rat poison and expecting the rat to die it's just not going to happen so for me the light bulb of my healing really came from using positive psychology and realizing I don't have control over him I have control over me my environment and what I can do so when the kids were with him which wasn't that much and then they came back if they were feeling sad or anything that's what I could control, not when my children were with him. I had to let go of that, which was very hard as a mother. Very, I, think, I think it's a massive, massive point in anything, not just divorce, not, you know, in life, that we have a choice as to how we feel. And I think this was one of my light bulb moments years ago. I had some counselling when I was probably late 20s. And this woman said to me, because I was, he's made me feel this. He's done this. He, th then I did. And actually she sat and she said to me, it's up to you how you feel. And it was so gentle. And it was just this moment. And I thought, oh my goodness, she's right. I can choose how Correct. I feel. 
And I and think I this, this is huge, isn't it? It's huge. It is, it is huge because we give our power to so many people and not even just in relationships and that friendships, family. And, you know, what really, really fascinated me in all of this was why? Why do we do that? Why did that happen? And, you know, when I was going through the anger phase as well, coming out of my relationship, I was very angry at him to start with. Then I got really angry at myself. I'm an intelligent woman. How could I let that happen? How yeah. could I be? situation like that because if you'd have said to me prior to my marriage would you ever be in a situation like xyz i'd been like hell no of course not but you know emotional abuse is insidious it doesn't happen overnight it's over a number of years and when you're enmeshed with children finances and all of this you know it's almost like you sacrifice your own happiness because you think it's the right thing to do to keep a family together and all of that because mm -hmm. you know i was brought up with ladybird books prince charming fairy tales you know mm -hmm. a family unit was mum dad and you know xyz children and that was what was the norm and that's what it should be you know so for me when I was going through my divorce and that I felt a failure I felt ashamed I felt a huge amount of guilt I thought my god my children are from a broken home they're not going to have the happy childhood that I had envisioned for them and everything <laughs> and there were so many emotions whilst dealing with a still controlling ex and his new partner um, as well and yeah. so there was a lot so for me the research came for me was was looking at my own kind of story why did I behave like that you know I recognized I had patterns in friendships as well the same type of person I was attracting into my life where I was giving everything why was I doing this you know and, and I really wanted to research all of this coming from a medical background I love science as well you know reasons why why do people behave how they do so that then got me into doing my master's in applied positive psychology and coaching psychology because it's a you know positive psychology is the scientific study of what makes people thrive flourish and be happy so for years if you said you were going to see a psychologist for instance and there's so much research obviously on psychology this was always about what was wrong with people why was someone depressed why was someone suffering with anxiety why was suffering people suffering with addictions as well but there was very little study of what actually makes people happy is mm. there evidence to say if people do XYZ it will make them happy so positive psychology is a new science it was only founded about 20 years ago now but it looks at what makes people thrive and flourish and they use a lot of positive psychology interventions so things like gratitude you know there's there's different models i use a perma h model of six different aspects of your life and looking at those to see how you can increase your well-being doing specific um, evidence-based exercises as well so it's not kind of like a self-help or try this do that it's all evidence-based because again for me if someone tells me to do something or i want to know why does it work? How does it work? You know, and have everything backing it up. So when I started my master's at this stage, I still hadn't started my divorce coaching business. And I kept thinking I need to do something with this because I love positive psychology. And I started to think, oh, I'll be a resilience coach or a success coach because like, you know, I've kind of come from that. And I thought, oh, do you know, there's loads of success coaches, resilient coaches, and it still didn't fit with me. And then all of a sudden I thought, someone said to me, have you thought about divorce? And I thought, is there such a thing as a divorce coach, so to speak? So I did some research and, and there was not many. Um, and then I thought, okay, is there a course I can do? Is there something I can back up using my positive psychology, my personal experiences? And at this stage there wasn't. So I started following probably two, I would say of um, the most 
sort of prolific divorce coaches in the UK, really, one of whom um, had never been married, actually, and never had a divorce um, as well. But I liked her style of what she was doing. She'd actually practiced family law, come away from that and was doing coaching. I think I know. I think I know that lady. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I thought I like her style of doing it. And then there was another lady as well who actually had a global business with this as well. And I really liked that aspect. So I just started following them and seeing, you know, what were they doing? What was working? What I could then put my aspect in. Then one of them, um, the lady who had the global business, actually set up an accreditation. She'd been a divorce coach for about 10 years as well. So she set up an accreditation for this. And I thought, great, it was a three day and then obviously ongoing training afterwards. I thought, I'm going to go on that. I want to learn from the best because then I can incorporate what I learned from her of her experiences, incorporate my positive psychology, my personality and my experience and create my own system then. Because I'd already started to formulate really what I felt was working and what mm. wasn't for people um, as mm. well. So I went along, did all of this and um, loved it. Learned so much from her as well. Things that sort of fast tracked me with things um, as well that I could then implement. And what I found was then, so kind of last year then, so I'd been helping Simon um, and then when I was doing my master's, I thought, right, I need to plan this as a business. <clears throat> so I was writing a book last year about my story. So divorce became my superpower. And I put it that it was going to be launched mid-September. So prior to that, then I spent sort of three months softly launching, building a group on Facebook, again, utilizing online methods too, because obviously your time is only limited if you're one-to-one -one coaching. Mm -hmm. So I knew as well, I'd got a vision that I, yes, of course I like doing one-to-one -one coaching, but I wanted to do one-to-many coaching. So online space and, you know, do as much as I could like that as well. Because although, yes, I wanted to help people and, and in that space, I'm still an entrepreneur at heart as well. Mm. So I still want to have an amazing business too. Mm. So, you know, um, and, and that was challenging actually, Jules, because what I'm doing is very much helping people in a very vulnerable time of their life, but then asking them for money for coaching. Yeah. And I had a bit of a battle in myself, I have to say initially with that until I realized that, okay, I just like to charge what I want to charge. I'm not getting caught up in these 10K months, this, that, or anything else. I'm going to charge what I think I'm worth over deliver, which I always do. Yeah. I, think. Um, I feel comfortable with that then because I know what value I am giving. Well, uh, this is it kind of ticked a box in my head. Yeah. Then. Well, this is it. This is the word value. Okay. This is where everyone gets hung up on the price thing. So in my coaching, I lose the word price and we introduce the word value, but then we really dig deep into actually what does that value look like? What is that value? So that actually the person selling is actually realizing their value because I think that that's half the trouble. We don't yeah. always think that we have this value, but of course we do with our knowledge. I think what's really interesting about your story to this point is that now you've come all that way to a point where you're now doing something because you have been your ideal client. Correct. And that for me was almost turning my passion into my business. So even yeah. now I don't feel like I'm working when I'm doing any of this because, and you're right, I am my ideal client and I only wish I found me when I was going through <laughs> it as well. And I think all the mistakes I made, and that's the thing when I coach now, 
I don't only kind of look at it from a professional basis with what to teach them and how to help them. I've been where they are. I know what it is like. I can imagine, you know, it's not just me sympathizing with them. I have been exactly where they are and I know why they are doing what they are doing because I went through those emotions myself. And for me then it was kind of, what I wanted to come up with was a signature system to help people heal from narcissistic abuse. So when I first started, it was very generic divorce coaching and I still do that anyway. But what I found was because I was my ideal client and people started to read my book, which obviously was going through that whole sort of narcissistic abuse, I was getting people asking me more and more about narcissistic abuse. And I'll be honest, initially I was really shying away from it because you know, everyone's ex is a narcissist nowadays. You know, you break up with someone, my ex is a narcissist, you know, and it really isn't, you know, your ex is just an asshole with stuff like that. Really. <laughs> and there's a real difference with all of that because it's how you feel. It's that insidious emotional abuse as well. So people do bandy the term narcissist very freely. And, you know, and I'm on a bit of a mission to try and eradicate all of that really and get the understanding of what it is. And it isn't just labeling your ex, it's how you feel as well. Mm. You know, I often get people saying to me, is my ex a narcissist? And I don't talk too much about them. I say, do you feel like this? And I give them a whole thing or I'll send them a video about narcissistic abuse syndrome. And very often I get back, oh no, I don't feel like that. Or, Mm. oh my God, that is exactly how I feel. And then, then we can unravel it from that way rather than, your your ex-partner and because then you can't argue with how you feel because you feel like that you own that and there's a real difference with all of that so for me it was then thinking about okay with the coaching so I've got a big group on Facebook now which is just women I do coach men as well but women in this space seem to want it to just be women which was fine Um, and and obviously for me having the group where I offer free advice I still need to satisfy something in me that I'm doing something to help these people because ultimately I probably couldn't have afforded coaching from me if I was back then initially so I still needed to provide a space where I felt like I was making a difference something to help them and then at some stage if they want coaching fine but if they don't they know they're not on their own they're getting something you know they're learning some skills of how to cope in a scenario like this so really I kind of ended up micro niching into narcissistic abuse really because that's what I know you know and then I wanted to formulate something that really was about how do you heal from that what do you do and that's where probably for the last four or five months I've been doing lots of research about it so I've created my own program called the planner program so p-l-a-n-a so positive life after narcissistic abuse And the system I use, it's a sort of three-step tier where we look at perspective. So perspective is all about understanding narcissism, you know, and there's always a reason. And this was the fascinating thing for me with my research as well, Jules, was that when we're in narcissistic relationships, okay, I can help you heal from that and give you practical day-to-day strategies of doing that. But there was a reason why you were in a relationship mm-hmm. like that, okay? Mm-hmm. Why were you attracted to someone like that? Why were they attracted to you like that? Very often, this will go back to my client's childhood. Yeah. There will be reasons, and normally it's codependency. There will have been something that triggered them in childhood for them to behave how they do. And because I want to help people not just bounce back, but bounce forward, mm-hmm. it's not just a case of helping them heal from that relationship. 
I don't want them to get into another relationship like that either. So I need to help them create new boundaries and look at, you know, red flags, deal breakers, but I need to understand why. And very often this goes down to codependency. And just for me as an example, um, with this, just so people listening can get an understanding. So my codependency came from my childhood. Now, if, you've, if you'd have asked me years ago, what was your childhood like? I'd be like, oh, amazing. Because it was, we didn't have much money, middle-class family, you know, mum and dad sacrificed everything. You know, I've got two older sisters. We all got a degree. That's what my mum wanted, you know, because she didn't. So she wanted her three daughters to have something to fall back on, which was great. Mm-hmm. Now, again, my dad, I love him to death. He lives 10 minutes from me now um, as well. But what my dad was like growing up and my mum, I realised that they very much shaped who I became. became. And although I thought I had a great childhood, which I did, don't get me wrong, I absolutely did. But my dad has never once, even to this day, said he is proud of me, even now. Not because I probably know he isn't or he doesn't love me, because I know he loves me, but verbally he has never said it to me. Now, when I was growing up, I was a straight A student, captain of all the sports teams. I got on with everybody. I couldn't have been a more diligent and dutiful daughter. However, I never felt good enough. Just as an example, which is so insignificant, but became so significant to me growing up, I do little gymnastic routines in the lounge, you know, like you do as a child. And I'd be there doing all of the hand actions, cartwheels and everything else. And my dad would be the judge. Okay. (laughs) Now he would always say 9.99 recurring. Okay. Oh, wow. So insignificant in the time. And I'd be like, again, again. So I'd get up and I'd do it again. And he'd be like, "Mm, 9.99 recurring. It was never a 10 ever. So that set me up for a life of perfectionism, people pleasing, because my mum was very much an empath. So she would be putting her happiness in everyone. If if I made everyone else happy, then I'll be happy. And actually, I don't even know whether she was ever truly happy. When (laughs) I now as an adult think about it. So my mum was very much this empath, pleasing everybody else, but being unhappy. But that then set me up thinking that's what I need to do. My dad obviously set me up from I'm not good enough. So I need to be over the top with everybody to be good enough which set me up for my friendships being like that, my relationships Mm. being like that, because I never felt good enough. So the people that were attracted to me then could very much control and manipulate me, because I'd keep going, I'd stay, I wouldn't quit, I would, because if I quit, then I'm not good enough, so I'll stay. So that's what then set me up. And I find time and time again, I get my clients to tell me about their childhood, their relationships with their family, cousins, friends, boys girls as they get older and when I read it I can immediately see why they ended up in that relationship but for me to help them heal to move forward I need to unravel why they did that why they felt like that it's not their fault but it's their responsibility then to move forward and it's fascinating yeah sure see that Do you think that you are now different then with the new relationships that you have? You've got a new husband, you know, you've potentially got new girlfriends around you. Are you now different in those relationships because of what you've learned? Very much so. And initially, one friend in particular who I'm no longer friends with now, she said I went really selfish because I wasn't giving her everything she needed. I was actually looking at myself. And so it was a challenge and it was a bit of an audit of who you were surrounding yourself with. And I love the phrase, you know, before you diagnose yourself with depression, look at who you're surrounding yourself with. Because mm-hmm. that is really, really key. But it can be hard when they're your family in particular. So I'm very mindful of when I'm with my dad, you know, I love him to bits and, and everything else. But I'm 
I'm very much I'm very much more self-aware with all of this now and I think that's key it's that self-awareness and then because you're kind of moving into that understanding so it's giving people the perspective then it's helping them step back into their power because it's the control thing when you're dealing with a narcissist how you know and I I help people go no contact like a boss you know how do you do that you know so there's tools you can use there's strategies you can use so it's you know I'm not just sitting coaching someone and talking to them and getting them to understand all of this they need to cope on a day-to-day basis how do they do that you know so I help them with the skills for that and then the positivity so it's kind of perspective power and positivity and the positivity comes from the positive psychology so it's not just helping people go back to functioning it's helping them flourish you know Mm. we all deserve to live a happy life and I use the PERMA H model in positive psychology which is positive emotions engagement relationships meaning achievement and then health so things like physical activity nutrition and sleep looking at all of those different aspects so I give them a PERMA H profile so we look at where they are now where do they need to work on how do they do that? And we look at positive psychology interventions that are proven to help help people then move into a more of a feeling of thriving and flourishing as well. And this for me, so although I am a divorce coach, I know I'm equipping people with tools then that they will use for the rest of their life. Because let's face it, life is a roller coaster. Yeah, um, yeah. So they will be able to implement these tools. If people have children, it's such an amazing thing. I often, if they have children, I'll get their kids involved as well. So they'll do some of these things together as a family because what we're teaching our children is coping strategies and resilience as well, which is a great life skill to be teaching your children whilst you're healing as well. Massive, massive. And, you know, I've got one son. Most people who are listening probably know about Sam. He's 14 on New Year's Day. So we're coming up to his birthday. Um, And I really now believe everything I've learned is what I now want him to learn at this age. And of course, I didn't learn it when I was 14, you know, as you didn't from your story. So how amazing if we can just give our children just some of these tools without bombarding them, without confusing them, but just gently giving them these tools and these simple lessons to help them be more resilient and, and go through life as, as, less stressed than we were because I I think I really resonate with the stuff you've talked about in terms of they had amazing parents they were wonderful they were beautiful and they did say I love you and they did say I'm proud of you and yet I still had this need to be the best to be this to be better than I was you know and I, I felt that And I think I took that into my adult life. And as you say, into some of my relationships that are no longer existing. So it's it's very interesting to look back at why, as you say, the why. I love whys, you know me. (laughs) It's interesting because actually, unless you uncover those whys, then you can't really address where this has all come from. And I love the moving forward bit too, because... You know, we need, yes, we need to not just understand, okay, this is why it's happened. That's great. Thank you very much. Okay. So now what do I do next? And also what do I do when this comes back as a dark cloud to me? Cause it will at times. And I think that's one of the reasons I called my book divorce became my superpower. And some, I've had some people say, you can't say divorce is a superpower because you know, divorce is so traumatic and everything else. And, and yes, it is. But for me, it wasn't the fact of going through the divorce became my superpower. And I thought, yay, I've split up from somebody. Yeah. It's what it did for me. It made me stop. It made me think, 
Why am I getting a divorce? Why was I in a relationship like that? You know, why looking at my friendships, looking at the meaning in my life, the accomplishments in my life, you know, the positivity, the engagement, you know, all of these different aspects, my health, it made me look at all of these aspects of my life for then me to move on. So I do feel incredible gratitude for going through what I did, which, you know, I'm sure some people are thinking, I'm never going to feel gratitude like that, you know, because there's still a lot of anger and stuff. I don't feel any emotion towards my ex now, positive or negative, because I'm not going to give any of my energy to somebody yeah. who doesn't deserve it. Yeah, and, and it you, took a while to go through all of that. Yeah, and you've worked through that now and come out the other side to flourish, which yeah. is now what you're able to give back as the value that you yeah. give as what, with what you do. And that's, yeah. that's lo so lovely. So listen, I mean, we could talk for hours here, Karen, no. I'll tell you, because it's, <laughs> it's, it's fascinating stuff. And I think that certainly a lot of the, the listeners will potentially resonate with your story I resonate with quite a bit of it in all honesty I've had two divorces so I'm doing really well um, <laughs> and, but but then I've also not had a relationship for 10 years so of course there's the other side of it so so there's probably work I still need to do to flourish in that respect I but think I, it's about filling you up first and foremost yes, so the best yes. relationship you'll work on first is yourself and Absolutely. then when you're coming from a place you'll attract the right yeah. relationship into yeah. your life I think that's so true. And that's why in that period of time, I think I have done a lot of work on me. I'm a much better person. I love myself much more than I ever did, you know, and I don't mean that in an arrogant way. Of course I don't. It just means I really do think I'm a pretty cool person. So You are, you're you know, amazing. <laughs> and that's good. It's a good place to be, isn't it? But before we go, I just want to touch on uh, your 2018 uh, as we're coming to the end of this year because you and I have both had this, these incredible years. I know, I have to myself. <laughs> um, and, and we've crossed paths a lot as well, which was quite interesting. But, you know, you've obviously, you've transpired and, and become this, fabulous person in that divorce coaching world as you've told in your story which is amazing but not only that you have written a book and published yeah. a book and so yeah. did I which is why I know how hard it is so that's amazing so this is divorce became divorce, my superpower yeah. divorce became my superpower yeah. yeah and you can get that on Amazon via yeah, Kindle yeah, paperback yep are you yeah. doing the audible? Can I ask? I should you? do. I should do. Really, I haven't actually looked into doing that, but yeah, I should really do that because I love listening to audio yeah. in the car. Actually, so yeah, yeah, maybe that's like just another thing for your long list. Yeah, oh me. my god, my gift, my gift to you, Caroline. <laughs> yeah, thanks, let's, let's have an <laughs> um, I think the, net, the the other thing to mention, of course, is amazing uh, win on the National Business Women's Award. Um, which I was at um, and you were announced the winner. Tell us a bit about that just quickly. Yeah, so I, um, I entered um, the National Business Women's Awards as the, a new business. And, and to be honest, because my business was really only sort of six months old, I thought, well, I'll do it, you know, and just see what happens. And I got into the final. So I went along on the day and I totally wasn't expecting to win, to be honest at all. But I felt really honored to have been in the final because it showed me that it was people were appreciating the work that I was doing in the field that I was doing. And it was something a bit different using the positive psychology as well. And, uh, you know, and, and then of course I won. So <laughs> I was amazing. absolutely amazed and, you know, absolutely thrilled to bits. I really was. And I felt really humbled with everybody else that was there, but it was just, for me, it was the recognition of 
that it was keep going, keep doing what you're doing, you know, and, and it is, I feel like I'm on a mission. I feel like I've got a cause, you know, yes, it's my business and I love the coaching, but I, I feel like it's something inside of me. I can't not do this. Yeah. It's, I know that I'll be doing this in 10, 20, 30, 40, yeah. 50 years. Cause I can't not do it. I can't not try and help people through this because it nearly broke me genuinely. Yeah. And I've always said, if it wasn't for my two children, I would not be sat here right now. I was in that dark and lower place. I really which, which is really quite serious stuff, isn't it? And there's a lot yes. of people out there who are very easily in that place, still in that right. place, and you can help them. And that's why it is a mission. And I get that. I, mean, I, I believe I have a mission. It's not quite the same dynamic as yours. But, you know, my whole sales mission is really important to me because I think so many people are scared of sales and it's the absolute hub of their business, you know. And you're right, because even for, say, my business, Jules, and, you know, I said this to you, I, it's very difficult because I need to sell my business, but my business is very vulnerable and it's people's, you know, lives. And, and so it is, it's that balance between selling it, but it's getting the mindset of, I need to get it out there. And mm. I think it's, it's like how, how you coach with all of this. It's the, the way you think about it and, and everything as well. Cause I mean, let's face it, everything in life is selling, but it's the word, isn't it? Everyone gets scared yeah. of the word selling. It is. And I think you said something earlier in the, in the podcast where you talked about the fact that you were your ideal client. And this is really critical for you when you're selling because, because of that, I will trust you. Because of that, I will know you really do understand me. You're not just trying to flog me something that I might not want. You truly know how I feel emotionally. Now that's the connection. And this is sales. And that's how I always talk about sales. So hold that thought because you're the ideal client and you were that ideal client. That's where you will connect with your customers and your clients. And that's why it won't be selling. It will just be complete connection. And that's magic. That's sales magic right there. That's what it's about. Um, <laughs> oh, so, so listen, I'm, your award, amazing. I was actually one of the judges in that, which I was completely honored to, to be doing. But the lady sat next to me at the table, who was another judge, said to me when you went up, that lady's application was amazing. And I think that's what you have to hold on to all of these thoughts. So, you know, I know you're not necessarily striving to be this perfectionist any longer because you've learned about what that's all about. But the fact is, the reason you win awards is because you do something that's just that bit more outstanding than the others. And I think, you know, that's well-deserved for the year that and you've I think had it, last year. It's also sharing your vulnerabilities as well. I'm not, that's why I wrote the book, because people would look at me now and think, oh, it's all right for you. You're confident. You're this, you're that. And I genuinely wasn't that person. I am completely different now. Yeah. For me, I, I just want people to understand that, you know, and I said, I've said to a few clients recently, I wish I'd almost had a video diary of me going through all of that, because I know literally most people would be like, oh my God, I can't believe that was you. I can't mm. believe it. it. I can see you, but I can't believe it was you, you know, because that's how I was. I was a shell of who I was. I completely lost myself literally because mm. of this insidious emotional abuse. Yeah. And, and an amazing, inspiring story, I think, to give all the women out there who are going through this or even just starting to go through this or even 10 years into this, because, you know, yeah. 
I've, I've been 10 years um, out of my divorce and it's still not that plain sailing at times. It isn't, it isn't. You know, if you've had a high conflict divorce or someone who doesn't want to let go, there's always this level of control and manipulation sometimes. And that can be really hard to handle. If you're somebody where you just want everyone to get on, you want everything to be nice, you want all, and, it, and if that's the person you are, sometimes it's recognizing it just isn't going to be like that. But how do you manage your emotions knowing it's not going to be like that? So yeah. you're not kind of tearing your hair out all of the exactly, time. Exactly. Exactly. So tell us where we can find you. I will put the links in with the podcast oh. anyway, but tell us the best place where we can get a hold of you, Caroline. Okay. So obviously my website, which is www.carolinestrawson.com and there's a form on there. I do free discovery calls for people as well. So if they want to have a chat with me to see how I can help them, that's absolutely fine. Also on Facebook. So I've got my business page on Facebook, which is Caroline Strawson um, Divorce and Positive psychology coach I do a regular Sunday night live for free as well where it's always around a subject matter so that that will be something about helping you um, and that's free I've also got a private um, and free group on Facebook called divorce and breakup support after narcissistic abuse so come and join that or just friend requests me pop me a message you know I'm very open I get lots of messages but I do my best to reply to them all as well and direct people in the right place because I know some people haven't got the money so obviously they go into my group which I try and get everyone in there anyway because it's a really great support network mm. for people they know they're not on their own and yeah. um, then they've got my video every Sunday night that they can watch or on my YouTube channel I pop them on there as well and then obviously I do one-to-one -one coaching um, and then I'm starting group coaching in the new year as well which I'm really excited about um, and then I'm also writing an online program as well literally my planner program from start to finish and I'm going to keep it really affordable with payment plans because I want this to be in people's hands I want people to have a toolkit of how to recover that they can go back to and watch again and you know all of those so you know those are my plans so I've got my free group I'll have my one-to-one -one coaching group coaching and then just a standalone online program that people can have as well so it's hopefully budget wise for people there will be something that will suit you um, yeah. and all of that because what I do I even if it's just a tiny thing to help people move forward I want to be able to do that that's amazing and also you have your book so obviously you know, absolutely and I'd love to write too. another one as well actually I'd like to do some self-help books then I sort of I wanted to start with my story mm. because I wanted people to know I was genuine and authentic and I'm not just somebody in the space you know that's just going to do all of this I wanted people to know that I've been there I've been through it you know I've come out the other side and I want to hold your hand and help you throughout the other side and everything as well so mm. you know that is on my agenda probably definitely you know because I wanted to be different in this space as well and that's definitely where the positive psychology comes in as well because there's nobody actually globally doing what I'm doing with positive psychology either so. yeah sure amazing well look it's been so great just to hear your story your journey all the things you've learned it's been really really good to hear it all Caroline so thank you so much for being my guest today and um, obviously I'll put all the links in for the listeners into the podcast you can listen to us on SoundCloud iTunes and now we are on Spotify so whatever your chosen preference is of how you want to listen to the podcast and um, I will be back again I'm going to be recording more of my podcasts over the next couple of days actually so we've got some for the new year because on the 6th of January I travel to Boston which is super exciting for me because I'm going international so um, I will be back really soon with episode 20 and it only remains for me to say to you Ta-da for now. 
You've just been listening to the Human Conversation podcast with Jules White. To find out more about the other work that Jules does, please visit her website, www.liveitloveitsellit.co.uk. And if you enjoyed the podcast, then please do leave a rating and review on the platform you use to enjoy her show. Thanks for listening and see you next time.